I'd ask if you turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians 11. First Corinthians 11, we will begin our reading from verse 23. Let us hear the word of God. <clears throat> For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye. As oft as ye drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread, and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread, and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation or judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when ye come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that ye come not together unto condemnation. And the rest will I set in order when I come. Amen. Trust the Lord to bless this reading of his words to all of our hearts. Let us pray briefly and ask for his help in the preaching of God's holy word. Our gracious Father, we do lift up our hearts to Thee. And as we have opened Thy Word and we have read and we are about to receive Thy message for us this morning, we pray, O God, that You will attend the preaching of the Word of God. O Lord, we ask that You would fill me with Thy Spirit. Grant me help, Lord, according to Your mercies in Christ Jesus, according as you delight in Christ being exalted, O Lord. I would ask Thee, we would ask Thee, that You would fill me to that end, O Lord, that Christ would be lifted up, that He would be put before Thy people in an excellent and glorious manner, that our minds, our affections, and our hearts, everything would be drawn to Him, that He would be our focus, that He'd be the substance of our praise. Lord, all, of, all the faculties of our being would be guided unto Him. 
So Lord, help us, we pray. Bless us now with the Spirit's ministry as the Word is preached. Be with each hearer of the Word as well. Help us all to rightly hear. For we ask it all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, I draw your attention to verse 26 of the passage that we've read. That's where we're going to spend the majority of our time just meditating on verse 26 before we come to the Lord's Supper. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. You do show the Lord's death till he come. Well, it is a solemn celebration that is before us as we come to partake of the Lord's Supper. It is a celebration, uh, but it is one in which we approach it with solemnity and sobriety. And just to make mention, uh, this will be our regular practice uh, going forward, Lord willing, at the last uh, Sunday of the month, uh, we will take a break. Uh, really, the last week of the month, we will take a break from our normal studies in Ephesians and otherwise, and we will dedicate uh, the entirety of the week, our prayer meeting, as well as this morning's Lord's Day service to this subject. And we will seek to draw our minds and our affections out after the Lord. And so, just to note before we dig into our text, just the special role of the Lord's Supper in the revival of God's people throughout history. This is an occasion that has been attended much by the Spirit of God, and we're not going to dig into those accounts today, uh, but you can read and you can see how the Lord has moved His people as they have attended this supper with diligent examination and appropriation of the gospel to their hearts. And so I ask a question as we come today to observe the Lord's Supper. Uh, why a perpetual ordinance? We, we have the gospel revealed to us in the word of God. Uh, we have uh, various ways of, uh, we have preaching, we have all these various things that we do in a church. Why has the Lord given us this perpetual ordinance of the Lord's Supper? Well, just to note that it is a picture of the gospel. It's a picture of the gospel. And there is a principle in the word of God that what we see uh, tends to have a certain effect on our hearts. Lamentations 3.51, we read, Mine eye affecteth mine heart. That was the prophet Jeremiah weeping over the things he saw concerning the destruction of Jerusalem. But the principle holds true that what we see tends to affect our hearts. And so as we come to this ordinance, it is a picture. And as it is a picture of the gospel, we and it's given to be perpetually observed, we can see that, that the Lord is ensuring that the themes of the gospel will be regularly brought before the Lord's people in the church. Why is that the case? Why, why does the Lord do that? Well, it's in one sense, it's accountability. It's accountability. It's so that no matter what else is going on in the world or what studies may be engaged in, it's accountability. It's always bringing us back to the gospel because that's what this supper is all about. It's about Christ and what He has done for His people and what He calls His people to. And so it brings these themes before us on a regular occasion and it holds Christ's church accountable and in a way keeps us, reigns us in 
Because the gospel, the work of Christ, is the source of life for a church. And as much as a church keeps the gospel and the person and work of Christ as its center and its focus, that church, by the grace of God and the work of the Spirit, will thrive in spiritual life upon the gospel. And so today, we will engage in what in many ways will be sort of an overview of the Lord's Supper. And we come to our text in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, considering it under this title, The Purpose of the Lord's Supper. The Purpose of the Lord's Supper. For our text reads, For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. And so we want to see first that the Lord's table, its purpose, is that it perpetually preaches the gospel in the church. It perpetually preaches the gospel in the church. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. The word show there in our text can actually be translated as preach. And it is translated that way in the majority of occurrences in your New Testament. Notably, the first one in Acts chapter 4, in verse 2, it says concerning uh, the persecution that was being faced by the apostles, the Sadducees come upon them in verse 1, and it says, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. That's the word that occurs in our text, preached, show. So in this supper... We are preaching or showing forth the Lord's death. It is a proclamation. And so this supper perpetually preaches the gospel in the church. Now that's significant that it's in the context of the observance of the local church. It is much akin to the Apostle Paul's desire as he went to the church at Rome that his desire was to preach the gospel to believers. That tells us right off the bat something of what I was alluding to in the introduction. That, that this is to be the central focus of the local body of Christ. It is a pictorial sermon that the Lord has given us. It is His perpetual picture of His gospel. And so we want to think about several things as we think about it perpetually preaching the gospel in the church. The first is that it does this by preaching the life of Christ in this world. By preaching the life of Christ in this world. Our text says that ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Well, the Lord's death necessarily implies his life. And so as we think about the Lord's death, we are forced by necessity to think about his life. And there's so much to cover in what we're going to consider. I'm merely going to highlight and hopefully the Lord will bless these considerations to prepare our hearts for the table. But really, as we think about our Lord's life, our, our minds should be directed to His securing of our righteousness before God. For that is why He came and lived as He did, in obedience to the law of God, fulfilling the commands that you and I have broken, doing everything perfectly without sin, all the things that you and I failed to do according to God's law, He did. And I just want you to consider two things as we think about 
this supper preaching the life of Christ in this world. Our minds are at least, in the very least, directed to the selflessness of His life. The selflessness of His life is preached in this supper. Because when we think about the life of Christ, there are certain pivotal things that we think about as how, is he, how he is described in the Gospels, one of which is Mark 10.45, where he describes himself in this language, the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give His life a ransom for many. That is our Lord's own description of Himself. He came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. Came not to, to be served, Now think about that. He's the King of glory. He's the Lord of the universe. And He says that He came not to be served, but to serve. And to give His life a ransom for many. Utter selflessness describes the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. From the time He came... His very incarnation proclaims His selflessness. That He would leave His Father's throne above and come to dwell with men on earth. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. So the life of Christ is preached in the sense that it draws us to consider His selflessness. The selflessness of his life. But also the sinlessness of his life is preached. The sinlessness of his life is preached. For as we consider the Lord's death, what what kind of death was it? What kind of sacrifice was it? It was the sacrifice of the spotless Lamb of God. It was a sacrifice of the sinless Son of God who traversed this world without ever succumbing to sin being tempted in all ways like as we are, yet without sin. We are told in that great text, 2 Corinthians 5.21, For He, that is God, hath made Him, that is Christ, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. One man paraphrases that text in a wonderful way. For He hath made Him to be sin for us, He hath made him to be sin who knew no sin, to be sin for us who knew no righteousness, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We knew no righteousness. He knew no sin. He goes to the cross as the sinless substitute. And so you think of the sinlessness of his life, the degree to which he obeyed the law of God. These are the things that are being preached by the supper to you as you think about our Lord's life and how He brought that life and laid it upon the altar of sacrifice. Selflessness and sinlessness. But also, as we think about it perpetually preaching the gospel, it does this by preaching the death of Christ on the cross, not only the life of Christ in this world, but the death of Christ on the cross. You can see that very clearly explicit in the text. Ye do show the Lord's death till He come. And our minds directed here, there's so much to consider, but at least a couple of things. We are being directed in the reference to the Lord's death to His satisfaction of divine justice. 
Not only his securing of our righteousness, but his satisfying of divine justice. That's what he did in his death. As he went to the cross, he went to satisfy the holy wrath of God that you and I deserve for our sin. And he goes there and he lays down his life, satisfying completely, totally satisfying divine justice. We'll just note two things here as we think about it preaching the death of Christ on the cross. His death is preached by the elements. His death is preached by the elements. We are told back in verse 24 and 25, when he had given thanks, he broke it. He took bread back in verse 23, and he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament or covenant in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. So the bread and the cup, illustrations of his body and his blood, symbols that point us to these realities. And so his death is preached by the elements. Well, why bread and, and why the cup? Why, why do those represent his body and his blood? Well, his body and his blood represent his sufferings and his sacrifice. And as we think about the body and the blood, we always want to think about those things that He suffered in His body and that He shed His blood as a sacrifice. And just note the condescension of our Lord and how He allows Himself to be compared to these elements using bread, something of this world. And even as we read this morning in our prayer meeting that Christ said, I am the bread of heaven pointing us to the spiritual reality. And what do we see in our Lord but His condescension as He relates Himself to bread for our benefit so that we can have an illustration of what we do with the gospel when we take and we eat. We lay hold by faith of the bread of God that is the Lord Jesus Christ. We are called, as we think about His body, to remember every affliction that He faced. As you come to this supper, it is a call when we think about the Lord's death to call up to your remembrance every affliction that you can think of. To, to stir your heart to, to mourn over the sufferings of our Savior. To recognize what He endured for you. You think about just His trial how it was a trial by night, a mock trial. And how he was insulted. How he was spat upon and beaten. How he was mocked by the Roman soldiers. A crown of thorns placed on his head. A robe placed upon him as they bowed before him and mocked. The King of glory. The King of glory suffered that for your soul. If you are His. His sufferings. His blood. His sacrifice. That the Lord calls Himself the Lamb of God. 
that we're called to think about all those animal sacrifices in the Old Testament. And that's what the Lord compares Himself to. Although far superior in every way because those blood, those sacrifices could never take away sin. Yet, He calls Himself the Lamb of God. Compares Himself to an animal going to the slaughter. That's what Isaiah 53 tells us. That He's as a sheep. As a lamb before her shears is dumb. He goes... Silent, suffering. We are called to remember when we think of His blood every precious drop of blood that He shed. That every single ounce of the blood of Christ was shed for the distinct purpose of the remission of your sins. His death is preached by the elements. But also His death is preached by the participants. His death is preached by the participants. Ye do show the Lord's death till He come. Well, in what way is His death preached by the participants? Well, there are several ways, but here I want us to consider inasmuch as you contributed to His death, inasmuch as you contributed to His death, you preach His death. What do I mean? Well, our Lord very clearly lays this out in verse 24 where He says, Take, eat, this is My body which is broken for you. In other words, it is Him directing us to think about the fact that He did it for us, but also the fact that He had to do it for us. And so your sins contributed to His death. And in that way, you are a participant in His death. Inasmuch as you contributed to His death by your sin, inasmuch as you participated in His death as you were represented. Now what do I mean here? Well, follow me here because this greatly affected my soul and I found this very difficult as I prepared for this. And as you come to the supper, you need to be reminded of this. Each of us, to a degree, took part in the crucifixion of Christ as much as we were represented by the world. Follow me here. We often think of the Jews solely as responsible for the death of Christ. We often think of them as the chief culprits behind His crucifixion. And there is some measure of truth in that, for they are highlighted in that way. In Acts chapter 2, Peter says to the house of Israel, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. But then we read in the same book in Acts chapter 4, verse 25, we read this prayer of Peter of the apostles. Verse 25, Who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Who, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His Christ. 
For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together, for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. Now that shows us, brothers and sisters, there is a representation of the entire world. The Jews, the Gentiles, Herod, Pilate, Herod being the king of the Jews at that time, Pontius Pilate being the governor of the Roman Empire, which represented the vastest kingdom in the earth at that time. Why is that significant? Because it points out to us that we are represented in that. Let me make it clear. Apart from the grace of God left to our sin, we would be there crying out, crucify Him. That must weigh on your heart that apart from God's grace, you would be there participating I questioned I questioned my findings when I was studying this. I wondered if that was true. You find it interpreted in the very same way by John Owen and Matthew Henry in Zechariah 12:10 as they apply that verse to believers where it says in Zechariah 12:10 they shall look on him whom they have pierced and shall mourn for him. And they each bring an application of that text, though it may refer to the Jews primarily, there's an application there for us that as we come to the supper, we look, we look by faith upon him whom we have pierced. And we mourn over that reality. So by preaching the death of Christ on the cross, but also by preaching the resurrection of Christ from the dead. The Lord's Supper preaches that as well. It preaches the resurrection of Christ from the dead. It does not only refer to the death, brothers and sisters, it's a supper that represents the whole gospel from beginning to end. His life, His death, His resurrection, and the other things that we'll consider. Why do I say that? Because when you read the Lord's death, you then read, till He come. You do show the Lord's death till He come. Well, well, what happened in between there? There's an assumption there of the risen Christ. And in that way, it preaches to us as we come to the supper, the risen Lord Jesus. His resurrection is preached by the reference to His return. Well, what, do we, what are we drawn to think of there? Of His resurrection? That he died victoriously. That he said in John 19.30 as he hung upon the cross, it is finished. He died victoriously. He died knowing what he had done was sufficient to save his people from their sins. And he died sovereignly. For the same text, it says that he bowed the head and gave up the ghost. It was an active decision of Christ at that moment as sovereign to give up His life at that time. He bowed His head, which is what He said He would do in John 10. No man taketh His life from Him. He died victoriously and sovereignly 
in His resurrection, He rose victoriously. That is how He died victoriously. Atoning for the sins of His people. Sovereignly giving up His life. And then knowing with assurance that He was going to rise again from the dead. For we're told in Acts 2.24 that it was not possible that death could hold Him. And this is for us to remember when coming to the supper. Yes, we, we mourn. We mourn over the fact that Christ had to die. But we glory and we celebrate the fact that He's risen. Amen. This supper, although it is a solemn remembrance, it is a joyous celebration of victory. We are remembering here the gospel of Jesus Christ in its entirety. So by preaching the resurrection of Christ from the dead. But fourthly here, by preaching the ascension of Christ into heaven. For that is also assumed in the references. The Lord's death till He come. His resurrection is assumed and His ascension is assumed. And it is preached by the reference to His return. And our minds are drawn there. What, what is true of Christ's ascension well, He ascended fully accepted into heaven. Luke 24, 50, the angels come and they carry Him into heaven. Amen. And how do they carry Him? They carry Him, it says there in that text in verse 51, that as He was carried up into heaven, His arms were stretched out to bless. He had, he had stretched out His hands to bless His disciples. And as He did that, the angels carried Him into heaven. So that the last picture they see is Christ being carried into heaven, blessing them. And then what do the angels say in Acts 2? This same Jesus shall so, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen Him go. He left blessing, He'll come blessing. So He ascended fully accepted, and He ascended blessing His church. And in that, brothers and sisters, we are directed as we come to the supper to His position and our position in Him. For we are united with Him by faith. As we saw several times already in the past couple of weeks, Ephesians 2.6, that we are raised up to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And so as He is in a position of full acceptance as a man before God, so you and I, if we know Him, if we are in Christ if we are following Him, if we know the Lord, then you and I are fully accepted before the Father in Him. And that is true as you come to this supper. As you come to this table. For that is so often the case that you don't feel worthy to come. And we're not worthy to come. But it is as we are in Him that He bids us to come and partake of the table. Lastly here, as we think about what it preaches, it preaches the return of Christ from heaven. It preaches the gospel perpetually in the church by preaching the return of Christ from heaven till He come. Till He come. So we never come to this supper without remembering the life, the death, the resurrection, the ascension, and the return of Christ. Ever. You never come without remembering the whole gospel. For that is so crucial to remember. He's coming. And when He comes, He's going to conquer the world. 
That's what your mind is being directed to when you think about Him coming. He's coming to conquer the world. And He's coming to confirm His saints. You do show the Lord's death till He come. So secondly, that is first. Secondly, I want you to consider in line with its purpose, that it provides an opportunity for believers to appropriate the gospel. It not only preaches the gospel perpetually in the church, but it provides an opportunity for believers to appropriate the gospel. In other words, appropriate being take hold of. Lay hold of it by faith. For we are given that picture in verse 26. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup. In other words, the whole picture is pointing us to the fact that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the sustenance of our souls. It is what we eat. It is what we drink by faith. It is that which sustains us. It is our strength. It is that which gives us spiritual vitality to live in this life. To live through this world. Not because of the partaking of the elements, but because of what the elements represent. It is, a ma- it is an act of faith, brothers and sisters. It is a picture to help you meditate on the gospel and apply the gospel to yourself. There's no power in the elements. Never think that there's power in the elements. They just represent the power of God, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So how do they do this? How do, how do you appropriate this gospel? Well, I'm just going to highlight these. But as you confess your sins against Christ, it provides us opportunity as you by faith confess your sins against Christ as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup. And in that eating, you are acknowledging. You are acknowledging your sins. You're acknowledging your sins against Him that required the cross. Why He had to go there and endure what He did. Your sins against Him upon the cross. Look upon Him whom ye have pierced. Your sins against Him even in light of the cross. Not only the requirement of the cross and what you did upon the cross... To Him as you were represented and as your sins required it. But even in light of the cross. For you and I still sin even though we know what our Savior endured for its penalty. And that should make us cry out for the Lord to come. A holy longing for the day in which we will no longer sin. Matthew Henry writes very well, quote, The genuine sorrows of a penitent soul flow from the believing sight of a pierced Savior looking by faith upon the cross of Christ will set us a mourning for sin after a godly sort. Not just mourning for mourning's sake, but mourning in a, after a godly manner, a godly sorrow that leadeth to repentance. Our brother Dr. Cairns said regarding this subject, mourning for sin 
is a Christian grace. End quote. This is what we need as you come to the supper. Confess your sins. But also, as you confess your need of Christ. You not only confess your sins against Christ, but you confess your need of Christ. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye eat and ye drink because you need Him. And so you're confessing by faith your need of Him as your Savior. Not only your need of Him in the past, but your need of Him in the present, brothers and sisters. That as He saved me, so I need Him to keep me. And your need of Him as your Lord. For it is the Lord's death till He come. Just ask yourself as you come to the supper, where would I be without Christ as my Lord? Where would I be? What depth of sin would I be left to? And that should provoke our hearts to give thanks unto the Lord as we come to this supper. He is a sustenance for all of life. Colossians 3, 4, Christ our life. You confess your need of Christ. But also, as you confess your faith in Christ. Your faith in Christ. For ye eat and ye drink by faith. And that is the degree to which these, this picture serves its purpose. And as much as you attend it by faith, it, it, is not just a, it does not just operate on its own. It's just a picture. But you must come and confess as you partake your faith in Christ. You must look beyond to what these things represent. And so you confess your faith in the reality of the gospel as you come to this supper. The reality of the gospel. In other words, you say as you come, this has been done for me. This is not just some old book. This is the reality. This has been done. Christ is risen. The reality of the gospel. You confess your faith in the sufficiency of the gospel. That not only has it been done for me, but it's sufficient for me. This is all I need. I don't bring my works with me. I don't, I don't look to this to be a repetition of the sacrifice of Christ. As some would perversely have us believe. That Christ is being sacrificed here. He is not. He died once for sins. And as we come here, we merely use these elements in this picture that our Lord has given us to look to that once for all sufficient sacrifice for the sins of His people. And you say as you come and you partake, by faith, this is sufficient for me. That this and this alone is what will give me my acceptance in heaven. Christ and what He has done. You confess your faith in your possession of Christ. Not only the reality of the gospel and the sufficiency of it, but your possession of Christ. For if you do not have Him, if you do not know Him, then you have no right to partake at this table. For it is for those who truly know the Lord. I don't say that to cast doubt upon anyone about their salvation, but I say that because of the warnings were given in Scripture. Our Westminster Confession of Faith makes note of this, that if someone's doubting of, of assurance, should they still come to the table? 
And they say several things there that are very helpful. But if you are here and you are, you are questioning your, your assurance of salvation, but you are mourning over your sin and you are repenting of your sin and you are desiring Christ, then that, by that argument they take it that that is an indication that you are in Christ. And so you come to the table to be strengthened in your faith, to look to what the promises of God are in Christ. They are yea and amen. You say as you come to this table, brothers and sisters, my beloved is mine. That's what you're saying when you partake. My beloved is mine. Not only as you confess your faith in Christ, but as you confess your allegiance to Christ. You confess your sins, you confess your need, you confess your faith, you confess your allegiance to Christ. For it is the Lord's death. And really what you're saying here, as you said, as you confess your faith, my beloved is mine, you are saying here, I am His. Song of Solomon 2.16 My beloved is mine and I am His. I am His in my heart, I am His in my mind, I am His in my body. And so you ask yourself those questions when you come. Am I I giving the allegiance of my heart to Him, of my mind to Him, of my body to Him? What are my affections most drawn to? And you confess, if it is not Christ, you confess and you pray, Father, make it Christ. Make Him what my affections are most drawn to. And what about your mind? What primarily occupies my mind, Lord? Father, make it Christ. Make it Your Word. For as we come, we confess that these are not, this is not the case. And we cry out for the Lord to make it so. In your allegiance to Him in your body, your actions, you say, you ask yourself, am I actively seeking conformity to Christ in my daily life? And of course, you're going to see your shortcomings and your failures. And so you cry out, Father, help me. As I come to this supper and I partake of Christ, help me to give more of myself to Him. Finally, thirdly, it not only preaches the gospel perpetually in the church, it not only provides an opportunity for believers to appropriate the gospel, But thirdly and briefly, it provides an opportunity for believers to preach the gospel. Look at our text. Ye do show the Lord's death till He come. All the participants, for as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till He come. So everyone participating is preaching the gospel. It's an opportunity to preach the gospel based on what we observe here. You see this in the Old Testament with the Passover. You're to preach, as you come and partake of this, you're to preach this gospel to strangers, to friends, and to family. As you're here today, as strangers come in, as family comes in, as you have children, anyone who doesn't know the Lord, it's an opportunity to preach the gospel to them. Exodus 12, verse 26, we read, Regarding the Passover, and it shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you, What mean ye by this service? That ye shall say, It is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, 
who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt, when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses, and the people bowed the head and worshipped. And so this is an occasion to preach the gospel, as it was in the Old Testament regarding the Passover. So it is in the New regarding the Lord's Supper. How do you do this? Well, you do it based on the elements used in the Supper. You preach Christ from the elements. It is a pictorial message showing forth the person and work of Christ that you then take and declare what it represents to people, to strangers, to friends, to family. But also based on the participation of those attending. You preach Christ from that. For it is a pictorial message showing forth the faith of the participant. You preach the need for sinners to come to Christ in faith and repentance based on this picture. And finally, based on your personal experience of the gospel. For it is often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till He come. It is a pictorial message showing forth the believer's personal experience of Christ. And you preach those things as you have opportunity as, as people come who don't know the Lord. This is not a time for the Lord's people only to gather, necessarily. But when people come in who don't know Christ, they can look and they can behold this observance and then you can preach the picture to them of what they need and what's been provided in Christ. You can tell them. You can tell them in the language of Song of Solomon. Chapter 2. As the apple tree, verse 3, among the trees of wood, so is my beloved among the sons. I sat down under his shadow with great delight, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. His banner over me was love. You can say that. You can share that with your children. You can share that with others that gather here. Share how Christ has personally met with you, personally brought you to Himself in salvation and how He is the fairest of ten thousands. These considerations are all at least a part of its purpose. There is no doubt more to consider with the Lord's table, but these are at least part of its purpose. It preaches the gospel provides an opportunity for you to appropriate the gospel. It provides an opportunity for you to preach the gospel. This is a spiritual feast. So when you partake, look beyond the elements. I can't express that enough. Look beyond them to what they represent. That is Christ. Today, as you partake, take hold of and take in the gospel. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come to Thee in the name and only in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we bless Thee in Him. And we confess, O Lord, none of us are fit in and of ourselves, to come to this table. But Lord, we are so thankful that You have bid us
to come and to eat, to examine ourselves. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Oh Lord, help us. Help us to discern thy body. Help us not to just do this as, a, as some sort of ritual. Lord, help us to do this as a means by which we see Christ lifted up. Lord, help us to properly observe this supper. Bless us, O oh God, as we come now to that portion of this service. For Thy glory, meet with us, we pray, and bless the gospel to our souls. In Jesus' name.